Chapter Five of the Ordeal of Elizabeth by Anonymous. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Please note that the original publication titles this section Chapter Five, skipping a Chapter Four. And so you say this young man lives at the mills, my dear? Miss Cornelia paused, the heavy, elaborately chased teapot suspended in her hand. Her gentle, near-sighted eyes looked anxiously across the table at Elizabeth. It was the first time that the girl had spoken of her new acquaintance, though it was now some time since her return from Bassett Mills, and she had told at once of the measles at the rectory. This piece of news, however, had lasted them well through dinner, and in the country it is improvident to use up all one's information at once. Perhaps Elizabeth thought of this or it might be that the other item did not strike her as of any special importance. She only mentioned it very casually at tea-time. But her aunt's anxiety was easily aroused at any suggestion of new acquaintances at Bassett Mills. "'I don't think that he lives at the Mills,' Elizabeth made answer now reluctantly to Miss Cornelia's question. "'I think he—he's just staying there. I believe Aunt Rebecca said something about his coming from Chicago.' but his family used to live at the mills. "'You don't mean those Hallocks who went west a long time ago?' exclaimed Miss Joanna. "'Do you remember, sister? The man was in jail most of the time. The children used to play on the road behind the church. Poor little neglected things. I was quite worried about them. It was a relief, I remember, when they all went away.' Elizabeth found this piece of ancient history peculiarly inopportune. "'Well, that was a long time ago, Aunt Joanna,' she said. "'It doesn't matter, I suppose, so much what people's parents were like. "'Mr. Halleck is very nice himself. "'He's an artist, and he wants to paint my picture.' "'She brought out this last information, "'which she had been longing to tell for some time, "'with a certain triumph, but it fell unexpectedly flat. "'An artist?' Miss Joanna repeated. "'Dear me!' "'One of those little Hallocks who used to play in the road?' "'To paint your picture, my dear?' repeated Miss Cornelia, still more doubtfully. "'And when he has only met you once? "'I'm afraid he's a rather pushing young man. "'But, of course, dear, you won't encourage him.' Elizabeth's eyes were fixed on her plate. Her cheeks were painfully flushed, and she bit her lips to keep back the scalding tears that rose to her eyes. "'I don't think he's pushing,' she murmured but she said no more. How could she explain to her aunts the vast difference that existed between this young man and any other friend of Amanda's? They were dear, good women, but so hopelessly narrow and antiquated, with their little old-fashioned ideas of propriety, their distinctions founded on the conventional laws of the neighborhood. Elizabeth, too, was not without an involuntary respect for these distinctions. She had her full share of pride of birth, which was instinctive in every Van Vorst, even in the most ignorant country lout that had ever borne the family name and lowered the family credit. With Elizabeth it was only intensified, perhaps, by a doubt of her own position. But then she belonged to the new generation, and there was a side of her nature that recognized the futility of these old traditions. Elizabeth did not analyze her feelings. She was only conscious of a vague sense of revolt a desire to beat her wings, as it were, against the cages of conventional distinctions. Test her powers of flight. But she did not put all this into words. Her aunts would not have understood. 
she did not understand herself. She rose from the tea-table presently with a murmured excuse, leaving the food on her plate untasted, to Miss Joanna's great distress, and wandered into the drawing-room and sat down at the piano. The keys seemed to respond with unusual readiness to her touch. The music expressed in some vague way which she could not put into words. She played on restlessly, feverishly, for more than an hour, passing from one thing to another. Chopin nocturnes, waltzes, Hungarian dances, fragments from Wagner, anything she could remember. The drawing-room remained dim for the sake of coolness. It was unlighted except for a lamp at the corner table, beside which Miss Joanna sat with her knitting. As Elizabeth played, she nodded comfortably and presently fell asleep. This was always the effect of Elizabeth's playing. She said she found it very soothing. Miss Cornelia sat upright in an old-fashioned high-backed chair close to the piano. She moved her head in time to the music, and the thin little silvery curls that framed in her warm, delicate face seemed to sway in unison with the melody. She wore a black gown, a trifle antiquated in fashion, but falling about her in graceful folds, and some rich old lace softened the outlines of her throat. There was a gentle, tremulous dignity about her nowadays. Miss Cornelia was very happy in moments like these. It was touching to see the pride she took in Elizabeth's music. But after a while this evening the girl let her hands drop on the keys, and said impatiently, "'Oh, it's no use. I can't say what I want to say.' The music's in me, but it won't come out. If you could have heard that man to-day at Aunt Rebecca's. Do you mean the young Halleck, my dear? said Miss Cornelia in surprise, and pronouncing his name with evident distaste. I didn't know that he played. He can do anything, Elizabeth declared. He paints. He can improvise by the hour. He sings as well as any opera singer. And he— He's very handsome. He would make a superb Lohengrin or Tristan, she added thoughtfully. Only, unfortunately, his voice is baritone. I wonder why Wagner showed such partiality to tenors. But he's not going on the stage, is he, my dear? asked Miss Cornelia tentatively. She felt more anxiety than pleasure at hearing of this paragon. I don't know, said Elizabeth, and it doesn't much matter for I'm not to know him, you see, because his people used to live in the village years ago, and Aunt Joanna saw him playing on the road. She spoke bitterly. But, my dear, I—we—we we never meant anything of the kind, protested Miss Cornelia, but Elizabeth went on without heeding her. Of course I know the rules of the neighborhood. They would no more think of knowing a young man from Bassett Mills than they would a convict. But I don't really belong to the neighborhood— I'm only on the outskirts, as it were, tolerated for your sake and for Grandmamma's. I'm tired of being a sort of nondescript, neither flesh, fowl, nor good red herring. The girl's face was hard, but she spoke quietly, in a matter-of-fact tone, as if stating inevitable truths. Miss Cornelia sat mute, bewildered, her whole soul wrung by a powerless resentment against fate. If by any sacrifice on her part she could have provided for Elizabeth congenial society, the charming young girls and attractive young men of whom she and her sister had often dreamed. She would have made it thankfully. But with all her love there was nothing, or there seemed to her, nothing that she could do. 
they had given Elizabeth every advantage. She was beautiful and charming, and the result of it all was that she felt herself to be a sort of nondescript, neither flesh fowl nor good red herring. It was a very bitter thought for Miss Cornelia. Elizabeth, seeing this, felt remorseful for the second time that day. "'Don't look so unhappy, Auntie,' she said quickly. "'It's not your fault, no, nor mine either, and I suppose it's not the fault of the neighborhood. People can't help being narrow and conservative. They were born so. But then, Aunt Cornelia, when—when when I don't have so many friends, you can't expect me to draw the line so awfully closely.' Something like a sob crept into the girl's voice, but she went on with hardly a pause. "'You mustn't think that I would want to know any one. This man isn't like the rest of Amanda's friends. Only wait till you hear him sing. You would lose your heart. I'm sure you would, right on the spot. And now confess, Auntie, you would like me to have my picture painted. The girls at school used to say that I would make a glorious picture. Do you think I would make a pretty picture, Auntie?' She went over to Miss Cornelia and put her arms around her, looking up into her face with laughing, brilliant eyes, from which all the bitterness had disappeared. "'My darling!' Miss Cornelia, bewildered by the quick change of mood, could not find any more words. She thought that Elizabeth would make the prettiest picture in the world, but to have told her so would have been to run counter to all her ideas of propriety. So she finally said, with due regard for accepted formulas, "'You shouldn't think so much about looks, Elizabeth. If you are good, that's the main thing.' "'Of course it's the main thing,' Elizabeth assented. "'But I'm afraid if it came to a choice, I'd rather be pretty, Auntie, and so would most people.' She ended with a light little laugh, and Miss Cornelia, in spite of her principles, attempted no rebuke. The look of gaiety soon faded from Elizabeth's face. With a quick, impatient little sigh, she walked over to the window, and looked out into the night. It was still and sultry. Heavy storm-clouds were gathering and obscured the sky. The old elm-trees, growing close about the house, cast somber shadows. They seemed to keep out what little air there was. Elizabeth, as she leaned her hot cheeks against the cool glass of the window-pane, felt again a sense of stifling, of being in a cage. It was useless to beat her wings. Life was outside, but she could not reach it. Oh, I would give anything in the world, she thought, just to breathe, to be free, to know what life is. Suddenly she turned around with a start. There was a voice in the hall. Someone spoke her name. A moment later a young man was advancing toward her across the dimly lighted room. Mechanically she went to meet him. She did not think of her aunts. She did not think of anything but his presence. "'Have I come too soon?' Paul Halleck asked as he took her hand. End of chapter 5